Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Dinger and Jay. It's Dinger and Jay. All right, welcome into the latest edition. Hear that podcast growling, Paul Hunter Jr., Jay Morrison. Of the Athletic are here with you for our lunch break live room. Happy Boxing Day to you, Jay. Hey, same to you. I don't. I don't think I have anything to return this year. That's a. It's been a pretty good haul. Really? Do you have a, uh, a a top gift? Did you get no? Did you get any meat sweats like you've got from the Arby's people uh, last year? Some concert tickets? Any anything that plays directly to your uh, your wheelhouse? I, I did not get meat sweats. I did. Uh, my wife and all of our friends had to get together on Christmas night or on um, Christmas Eve. I, of course, was still in New England. And so they did this game where you I, I don't even know how to describe it. You unwrap uh, a tightly wound package while wearing oven mitts. And one of the one of the presents inside was an Arby's gift card. And everyone decided I should get that, even though I wasn't there. So, no, well, you know, that, that goes people without saying P- people are people are here to take care of you, obviously. And what happened? <laughs> did you did you, uh, you know, for everybody that was listening the other night, were concerned about whether or not you would find your way out of, uh, you know, Foxborough to Providence and find beer and some food. Was anyone open? Were you able to uh, check that box? Uh, I was not, but I just tapped out. I, I left after we did the podcast. I left the press box, went back to my hotel and wrote at my hotel. I wrapped up around 10 o'clock and I just said, I'm going to watch the end of Steelers Raiders and go to bed. And that's what I did. And I had a nice feast of Dunkin' Donuts the next morning at the airport. Oh, man. Life of Kings, we leave. Life of Kings. Uh, all right. Well, plenty to get to. People have questions. Uh, Patriots, Bengals in the books. Bengals are 11 and 4. They've won seven in a row. One week from today, Jay, it will be wow. Bengals hosting the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. And uh, in one of the biggest games, you know, Bills have won six in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bengals have won seven in a row. It's a a rare streak. Jay, I texted you a little bit ago, and I was like, I think we might be stumbling onto a very good Jay's got stats potential here. Because I, I, I didn't really know how to search it. I knew you would. <laughs> when is the last time that you had two teams playing in either December or January, both on at least a six-game winning streak? So I, I – I want to put a qualifier out there that this that you you can't just put this parameter in there and it comes back and says this is it. I had to do a little searching. I could have possibly overlooked something, but I don't think I did. I think the last time this happened was 2012 when the uh, Texans had won six in a row and the Patriots had won six in a row. They met on December 10th of that year, and the Patriots blew them out. And you said there was there one the year before that. 
Yeah, the year before, the Patriots were on a five-game winning streak, and they went to Denver. The Broncos were on a six-game winning streak. This was in Week 15 on December 18th, and that one also was not close. The Patriots won on the road, 41-23. to So that was in the land that you're in the land of Tim Tebow and TJ Yates in those games. So we, I have to go back and look through the box scores and some of the logistics, that, but that's how rare this is. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really the thing here to have two teams that are both this hot on these types of streaks that are clearly both atop the AFC playing for C. You, you can't have, you know, you can have bigger stakes for a lot of different reasons because you, who knows if this is just going to be two teams ending up in the two and three seed and what happens to Kansas City and that week four against Baltimore, that week 18 against Baltimore may still end up being for all of it uh, in the north. So there's a lot of different things at play. But as far as high quality regular season football with playoff ramifications, uh, this is as much as you can check the box in bold, no question, on Monday. Yeah, it's going to be a huge one. I can't wait to see the atmosphere. Um, it's not just in Cincinnati and what the fans are like, but just, I mean, it'll be hard to gauge for us being there, but around the league, around the country, what everyone else, I mean, that this could be a record setting uh, Monday night football broadcast. If this is, there's a lot of other people that are interested in this game because they know it's two of the best. And there's a lot of other people with playoff hopes kind of pending on which way this game swings. So it's going to be really, really interesting. Kind of like tonight's game. I, I not on the same level as far as talent, but I, I'm wondering how many Pittsburgh Steelers fans, that's a short drive to Indy and they really need the Colts to upset the chargers. If the Steelers are going to sneak into the playoffs, I wonder if you might see some Steeler fans in Indy tonight. Wow, that'd be some some serious fans. You're going to drive across the snowy Midwest to go root on two teams other than your own. Uh, that that would be that would be pretty bold, uh, no question. Um, Steelers Ravens next week flex into Sunday Night Football, uh, so that will be a game uh, that is. Unfortunately, we were hoping that would be the game that would be on in the one o'clock window at our live show at Fifty West. It will not now as they flex out, but that's okay. Still, plenty of other football to take in. Um, Bengals. Bills next weekend is the only game between two teams winning records um, huh. the whole weekend. Uh, so all eyes on Bills Bengals. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe we will see some Monday Night Football ratings records uh, smash. Plenty of coverage for you on that. You have some questions. If you have a question uh, that you want us to get to, just go ahead and hop up into the queue. Hop on there. We'll pull you on stage. Uh, and remember to unmute yourself when you hop up and you can ask your question. And we'll talk it through. I see some people in the chat. If you have stuff you just want to drop into the chat, we will cycle through there as well as we go through that. Thanks, everybody, for taking some time. And a lot of you guys have to day off. Uh, just maybe you're just sitting around, just thinking about Bengals stuff. Um, we got plenty to get to. I see a couple of questions repeating themselves, uh, which I know we will get to. But we'll start uh, by bringing Aaron B. up onto the stage. Uh, Aaron, how are we doing, Aaron? Um, so I was just wondering if uh, maybe you guys could give some insight on the mood or the vibe of the team uh, with uh, Hakeem Adeniji being the starting right tackle. I mean, I'm sure they're sad for Lael, Um, but are they kind of panicking or is there a confidence about it? Uh, just kind of what your observations are. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell because we haven't talked to these guys. I was in the, the locker room post game, but that's before they knew the extent of the Collins injury. Um, Ted Karras has said this before. Uh, 
that there there have been times when Jonah went down in games and Hakeem and Hakeem came in for him, and there was a couple series where Collins went down and Hakeem came in for him. And I, I he I remember him pointing out that they scored on every one of those drives. I don't think that's true, but they did continue to move the ball well. But that's a little different than you know, coming in and doing a spot series or two as to now being the guy. Um, I, these guys all work together. I'm sure they have faith in, in Hakeem, but it's, it's, uh, obviously going to be a, a drop off from, from LC to Hakeem. Um, don't think there's panic or worry, but, um, I, I think if you gave them some truth serum, there would be some, a little bit of concern. Well, sure. I mean, Collins is better for a reason. Right. Uh, and, He's, but he, he's certainly not been perfect. He's had his issues over there on the right side in pass pro in particular. He's gotten better and, and, uh, been okay. But I mean, he, you know, if you go back and you look over the course of the season, he certainly had his fair share of issues and your PFF numbers would have him towards the bottom of the league in, in pass blocking grade. Um, yesterday, Adenogy comes in and has, 45 pass blocking snaps and gives up five pressures, no hits or sacks, but five pressures. Um, not, not great. Um, now that said, you're right. I think there's a difference here in that in, in preseason and in those spot snaps he's taken, there's been a lot of optimism about it. Energy. I mean, they, the, the people in the coaching staff, the way that they talk about him, were really pleased with, the way he stepped up, the way he played, certainly when the Jonah thing happened uh, in Cleveland, some other times during the course of the year, they really felt like, man, it's he's he's staying, keeping it stable. And, and that's such a big part of it, especially up there on the edge. So I do think there's internal optimism. I do think there's confidence that it can be just the same. Um, you don't really know until you fully get out here because now teams can game plan for it. Now you can get teams setting him up, trying to put – Adenogy in tough spots. But I go back to something that Burrow has talked about a lot and that the Bengals coaching staff has talked about a lot. They worry so much more about pressure coming up the middle. He feels like he can handle pressure when it comes off the edge, whether they can do it, whether it's with chips or whether it's with formational stuff or whether it's with quick game or just his ability to see it and, and work the pocket and avoid the rush um, can help mitigate that becoming a huge deal. Um, he, he can't be a disaster. But remember, this team went to the Super Bowl with Isaiah Prince playing right tackle and with nowhere near uh, the same solid level on the inside that they have now. So I think it's something they feel like they can withstand. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it goes forward. But for now, I do think there's a lot of confidence in, in who Adenogy can be. Um, before yeah, we get off this well, topic, I was, go ahead, I was going to say, yeah, two other things on that where they went to the Super Bowl last year. Adenogy was the guard, and he was one of those problems with the pressure coming up the middle, and he was he's out of position there. He's He was a more of a tackle in college, so this is kind of getting they've got him back to as a swing tackle this year, more of his natural position and kind of a, a blessing in disguise, the Hayden Hurst injury, because since Hayden Hurst has been out, we've seen a get in there as a, as a second tight end, the extra offensive lineman, a lot more. And he, he has gotten uh, more snaps um, the last month or so. It's not just been those, those spot 
relief duties of Collins and um, Jonah when they got hurt. He's been in there, uh, not on an island like he will be now, unless, like Paul said, he gets the chips and the help. But it, he's not coming off the bench cold. He's been uh, involved quite a bit since Hayden Hurst has been out. Yeah, um, certainly Collins has brought you um, a lot in the run game too, um, and so you're you're maybe losing one of your best offensive line run blockers and you worry about that with some of the efficiency that they've seen there that's probably your your biggest fall off but you know it's something that they can start to plot and plan for the other side of this so i think what you'll the 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 most likely plan uh, that would happen next you've had deontay smith has been you know a healthy scratch almost all year uh he would seemingly move up into that swing tackle position. Isaiah Prince is on the practice squad um, after they let him go when he came up of IR. Then they brought him back. When he cleared waivers, they brought him back and put him in the PS. That was a little over a month ago. And so now you will probably see him promoted when they make the move with Collins. Uh, So he would be that fourth tackle on the roster and all options. Now, Sharping has some history there at Tyler. He can play some, but he's mostly here to, to be a guard and be, be your backup guard. So I don't, well, again, we'll get more information as, as we talk throughout the week and figure out as they figure out their plan. I don't know that they haven't necessarily sat down and fully gone through it yet. Uh, you know, they don't really have to tomorrow's their Monday, if you will. Uh, so they're not even really into their full planning mode, but obviously wheels are in motion on some of that stuff. Um, the other side we need to address from it, and I'll just go ahead and pull from the chat uh, rather than go because it's the first question in here by everybody in the everybody's favorite <laughs> topic on social media stirred up by Peter Schrager today. So big wins coming back, right? <laughs> the chance for the full circle big wit narrative. Just when you thought someone couldn't end their career on a more perfect note than Andrew Whitworth did going out with confetti falling all around him and his children in SoFi after winning a Super Bowl against the team that brought him up. Uh, top that by then coming back to save them and play right tackle for their Super Bowl run, ring, Super Bowl run, win a ring, two rings, one for each team you played for. Big wit saves the day, comes in on the horse, right? White horse, white horse wit rolling in. I, great story but yeah i don't see it happen it's a great story i don't yeah i I don't i don't see that happen i mean there's inserting somebody who's been sitting on the booth i know eric weddle did it offensive line is just a whole different animal he'd be switching over to the right side learning all the stuff i'm sure he's a very smart man obviously and you wouldn't have any worries about him coming to understand how football is played and who knows i mean i'm sure there's a text sent like, does, do, do you want to switch the hoodie for a jersey? Like, <laughs> what, you, you want to consider it? I, I don't see that happening. But, hey, until we get confirmation, you know, I have messages out just like everybody else does, I'm sure. Until we hear anything for sure, I guess I'll say you never know. But that does seem highly unlikely. And it is a fun thing to yell into a camera, though. 
there, I mean, there might be more legs to it if, if the Bengals had beat the Rams last year and Witt was still looking for that ring. But you're right. I mean, he goes out as a Super Bowl champion, NFL man of the year. Uh, I just, there's, there's some positions you can come off, you can sit on the couch and, and come up, come back without missing a beat. And O line is, is not one of them. It, I do, it is very intriguing. It's, it's fun to think about, but it, I just, I, I can't see that happening and who knows contractually he may not have an out with amazon to even do that if he wanted to well amazon season's about to come to an end here so it's true uh either way um i'll keep you updated on that one but i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't hold your (laughs) breath that feels like a dumb and dumber so you're saying there's a chance (laughs) uh i think we would probably uh end up with that all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor all right, let's go back uh, to the stage and let's bring uh, David Y up onto the stage. David, how's it going? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Sure can. Hey, um, thanks, Jay and Paul, for all your work. Enjoy listening to your um, podcast and reading your articles on The Athletic. Um, thanks. Thank you for subscribing. A, yeah, I had a, had a question or observation. Um, seems like to me the last couple of weeks, Jamar Chase has been um, a little ho-hum, maybe in his demeanor. Um, maybe it's just a, me overanalyzing. But um, do you guys do you guys see anything with that? Um, just wanted to get your wanted to get your input on that. I mean, I think he seems like the same guy when you see him in the locker room. He's he's still accessible in most cases. Um, I haven't, I haven't really noticed any ho-hum or lackadaisical play on the field. Um, I guess, I guess, I guess last week he had a touchdown against, um, Tampa Bay. You know, he just kind of, kind of just dropped the ball. No, no celebration. He's had some, had some big catches and, um, haven't really seen much emotion out of him. So I just, just was curious if there was anything personal going on there, if it was just, um, just kind of where he's at, I guess. I'm trying to remember. Was his touchdown against Tampa Bay there first? I know Boyd had no. the go-ahead one. It was the last of the big three getting getting touchdowns. It was a easy throw right into the slot, and he just kind of waltzes in. Um, it was one of the last ones in them helping to put the game away, if I remember correctly. Exactly, I had to go back and double check the box score on that two games back now. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it wasn't a good game for him yesterday. I mean. By his standards, certainly, and by most standards, I mean, you have him in the middle of the two turnovers, right? I mean, you've got of two to three, you got the fumble, and then you have whatever happened on the miscommunication with Burrow um, on the pick six by Jones. So, and then Jay Jamar said he didn't, he, he didn't want to talk after the game, right? Yeah, and I wonder if he's confused by that. They've kind of gone to this new media policy where they, those guys only need to talk once a week, and that does not include post game. So I don't know if he was I, – because I tried. I said – he said he didn't want to talk. He would talk on Monday, which they're not available today. And I said, well, can I just ask you one quick question? I asked him. He said, he said sorry, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Monday. Um, so I, I don't know if he was just confused by that, that the, the one day a week and he was just saving it or if he was upset because – that fumble was huge, and there was also the deep shot that uh, Burrow put right there. Lost to Jay. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll pick up. I'll pick up from there. Uh, so 
I'll say this. You're right. I mean, the deep shot that he misses, you have, you have the fumble, you have the, the picks, the pick six play. You've got all of these things. And Jamar's not somebody to not talk uh, after a game ever. Um, no. You know, he's, he's very open. Uh, he's, he's always ready to, to talk about whatever outgoing dude. So I think he had a bad game. I think I think it happens, right? I'm not going to hold that against somebody who had a bad game and wants to take some time to gather their thoughts, particularly someone who's always pretty outgoing. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, the, the no celebration thing in Tampa, I think that's maybe reading into it a little bit much. I mean, it was uh, – I, I, I'll have to keep an eye a little bit more on that. It's not something that had stood out to me necessarily, certainly not anything that I had seen um, – around being around him in the locker room or or heard from anybody who's close to him or anything like that um something to keep an eye on i guess but yeah not, not nothing i don't think to be um overly critical of at this at this point but yeah we'll keep an eye on that um let's go and let's bring fisher c up onto the stage fisher how's it going good how are you guys doing good. great Hey, uh, just wanted to come on and say, uh, Paul, you're not allowed to write about anything that Joe does well again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not responsible for back shoulder failures. It's over. It's over. (laughs) God, you let the secret out and now he can't do anything on the back shoulder. But, uh, but no, was the, was the South end zone this weekend? Was it kind of resemblant of the, uh, of the Packers game last year where, the wind was just right or the elements were just right. Nothing was going in down there. Cause I'm, I'm not overly worried. I mean, Evans had a couple of stretches this year, but, uh, mostly he's been pretty good. Uh, I, th- I think that was a little bit of an abomination, especially when you saw new England's kicker do the same thing. Yeah, it was really weird that the flags on top of the uprights weren't blowing all that much, but he talked about how there, there was a, a, a pretty strong crosswind. Um, I was, I never, I w- didn't go down on at field level at any point. I just went and got in the warm press box and stayed there the whole time. Um, but you're right. It was interesting. I, when, when you're watching it, we were kind of where the, our seat in the press box was kind of on the corner of the end zone. So you're looking at it from the side and then even the, the big screen, replays uh were from the side you couldn't really tell you were just waiting to see the officials signal uh when i went back and watched the the tv copy it did look like it was going straight and then just took this this wicked turn so maybe that was part of it but it was it was noticeable even in in pre-game warm-ups and going the other way that the, the north end zone is where he was leaving kicks short that he normally makes easily. Um, so I, I, I just think it was the, the cold, the ball, not compressing. It's like kicking a rock. The, the wind was not consistent, but it was kicking up kind of like you mentioned in that, the, the green Bay game where Darren Simmons talked about it coming over the South bank of the stadium and just blowing it at the last minute. Um, I, it, it was noticeable in pregame warmups that he didn't look like himself and it kind of carried into the game. But I, I don't know that it, it's anything. And we kind of talked about this on the walkout. Is it a, is it an outlier or is it a trend? And it is concerning that we have not seen him miss these easy ones. Um, last year he was, he was so automatic on those. So it's, it'll be something to keep an eye on because the, the weather's certainly not going to get any better uh, the deeper they go. Well, the one thing, you know, about McPherson, the McPherson topic is that 
what we hear so often about what they really like about him is that nothing ever seems to phase him. Bad kicks, bad games, bad warm-ups. I, Darren told the story earlier this year about the practice he had before. It was before the uh, game in Tennessee last year in the playoffs, right, where he missed like seven in a row to end mm-hmm. practice. They kept trying to get him to end on a make, and he couldn't. It was just awful. And he, just, and he said it's like they never even phased the kid. He didn't even care. No big deal. Went out there and had a great game, all part of those great playoff runs that he had, kicking just game winner after game winner. You bank on that, right? You hope you can you can have this be a thing that doesn't spiral because of the personality that he has had. That said, I mean, the struggles that he's had at times this year are noted. Um, I, but, I, you know, it's not like you can do anything. I think you're, you're riding out Evan McPherson. Like, you're not hmm. – you're not like going to the wire and seeing if there's a kicker out there. You know, I mean, this is it. This is your guy. He's been great. He has a history of putting things like this behind him and being just fine. He's an absolute weapon from deep. Like, I understand the criticism. I, I hear people talking about, oh, well, they got to look into a different kicker. You, you No. Like, this is this is who you're riding with at this point. You have a far better chance of him being totally fine, putting this stuff behind him and kicking great the rest of the year than you do somebody who's sitting on the street right now coming in here and suddenly being great. It's just this is the guy you hope he can get it straightened out. I've also seen people talking about like they need to make sure they're keeping him outdoors and stop going into that bubble. They, they don't go in the bubble with him they kick mm-hmm. in the elements particularly whatever the elements are going to be that week so last week everybody goes to the bubble i've almost been run over by the golf cart of <laughs> kevin huber and evan mcpherson uh and cal and all and chrisman they will go down to the bubble for a second if they do and then they will take the cart all the way back down Maring way um and attempt to scare the crap out of us in the process and go back into the stadium <laughs> and kick in the stadium so they can be on turf, so they can be outdoors, so they can be in conditions this time of year. They're very much cognizant of that. So it's not a thing where like all of a sudden he, people think he's been in the bubble, kicking in the bubble the whole time. That's not that's nice. not necessarily been the case. Uh, okay, let's uh, move on. Next question. Let's uh, bring Sean C up onto the stage. Sean, how you doing? Hi, gentlemen. Good afternoon. How's it going? Good. I um I wanted to ask you guys what what the disconnect is you guys think between how the team sees Jermaine Pratt and how Jermaine Pratt sees himself. I mean I'm I'm a fat 31 year old sitting on my couch, so I don't know much about that kind of thing. But the eye test to me says that uh, Jermaine Pratt's played as well, if not better, than Logan Wilson this year um i would think he's deserved a shot to play really whenever he'd like um so i'm just curious your thoughts on where that disconnect is and how that might affect uh, potentially re-signing him this offseason I, I think it's more just the way they view the position and it's they are they are thrilled with how jermaine has played this year he's been terrific but um he he always felt a little limited in 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 pass coverage. He's he's great against the run. Um, they've got Trey Flowers as the guy, the specialist against tight ends for a reason. I just think that there's there, that's one element of it is uh, how much they trust him to drop. Although we did see him make a great interception uh, on a drop early a few weeks ago, um, but the other part is too you you talk about saving guys and load management and maybe that that's for the best for him 
to to not play every snap and not to be out there 90 95 percent of snaps in the game and he's he's better this this time of year because of that because he's not running himself or not being run into the ground um i i don't think there's there's any disappointment whatsoever from the coaching staff with Jermaine Pratt. They love what they are getting from him, but he's like any other guy. He he wants to be out there because he wants to be a part of it, and he wants to be out there because three down linebackers get paid, and he's going into free agency next year. Yeah, Pratt has played well. I, I like uh, I, I like the way that Pratt has played, and and I think they're gonna. I do think there's going to be a decision uh, to be had, and it'll be interesting to see what occurs when you get into the off season, when you've got Logan Wilson, you, who you could extend, you've got Jermaine Pratt who's available in free agency. What, what will his market be? Then um, that's often the determining factor in these things, right? I mean, every time we start talking about players and free agency, um, the Bengals place their value on what that's worth to them. And they put it on the table. And if a player can go get more, they're not going to chase it. They're not going to go chase crazy value that they is above what they want to do just because it's somebody they've had necessarily. Um, they might be willing to go a little higher sometimes, um, but they're not going to chase where they think now they're suddenly overpaying for a player. They'll just find somebody else or draft or replace. And they, it's certainly something they could do. He has earned himself a lot of money. I think Pratt's playing really well and they have a lot of faith and confidence in him and he's their type of guy. Uh, it will be curious to see. He'll, he'll be a very curious free agency case, but he's got a chance to what playoff P, right? He's got a chance to come back again mm-hmm. and uh, make even more money for himself if he can continue to play at this level uh, as they go into these high-profile games down the stretch, uh, Monday being the latest opportunity. A lot of money for a lot of people to make right now, Jay. There's, there's a lot of people in contract years, a lot of people eligible for extensions, and a lot of people who are going to be playing in some huge high-profile games with a lot of other coaches and GMs watching saying, Where, how do I get that on my team? Right? It's a lot of money on the line right now for these guys. And that's just it with Logan Wilson, too, because, yeah, he's eligible for an extension next year, but they don't have to. They, they can ride out his the final year on his rookie contract where sure. if you want to keep Pratt around it's it's going to cost you and it may not be top tier linebacker money but it's going to cost a lot more than you're paying him right now and i just i think that's why you're more likely going to see that them just stick with logan and and see what jermaine can get on the open market and if his value is not what he thinks it is then maybe there is a path for him to come back on a, a more team-friendly deal well, who knows? There, there's, there are a lot of um, important data points that are yet to be plotted in, yes. in that conversation. So I, I, I hesitate to even go, you know, because these are not conversations that they're having at this point. They might have ideas, but things certainly undeniably can change in a big way over the next six weeks. So I, I hate to even go that far into the conversation yet. Uh, all right, let's go next and let's bring paul m up onto the stage paul how's it going hello good afternoon greetings from ireland can you hear me it's that i, paul I can this this <laughs> this name this voice sounds very familiar <laughs> this is the long the uh the long-winded test from dublin ireland calling in here first <laughs> first timer in the uh, in the live room here but nice to talk to you all 
Yeah, Great to hear from you. Good, good to hear from you, Paul. You know, I mean, I, I the long-winded, the, our favorite long-winded past, though. <laughs> Char- charming as always, Paul, but I appreciate the compliments. Thank you. Um, well, anyway, listen, uh, sorry, just before I ask my question, can I just uh, say on behalf of all the listeners, uh, serious kudos to Jay for giving up a large chunk of your Christmas Day for our benefit being in New England and not getting back to your family until the evening of Christmas Day. Very much appreciated, Jay. And uh, I hope whatever last part of Christmas you got with your family finally late in the day uh, was worth it. But thank it you was. very much on behalf of all listeners. Yeah, that's very kind of you to say, and it was. It was a, uh, it was a nice evening last night, and um, I, I, I enjoy traveling and, and covering this team. It's a lot of fun, and you understand that holidays are part of it, So, uh, but I do appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, um, I did have questions about the O-line and so on and so forth, but you spent quite a bit of time covering that already so far. So what I'll do is I'll broaden it out to the team a little bit wider. I do remember you guys, both of you, being very down in the mouth when Cheeto got injured <clears throat> seven or eight weeks ago, whenever that was. And I remember you outlining clearly your thoughts on how potentially devastating you felt it might be for the Bengals season. But with the benefit of now knowing what we know about the performances of Cam Taylor-Britt over the last seven or eight weeks, do you still think the Cheeto was the most impactful injury this team could have faced? Or do you think the Lael Collins injury could be more impactful in a negative sense? Yeah, no, that's a good question, Paul, Um, uh, as always. I'll say this. I mean, (sighs) I still think that's the most impactful. I still think you're now you're even you're still continuing <laughs> to see teams even more so attack Cam Taylor Britt. I think Eli Apple had one target by the Patriots and Britt had nine. Uh, you know, teams are going after him a little bit more. We saw Brady going after him a little bit more. The same thing with Belichick and you know and you know he, the numbers on against cam on saturday are not too bad but that's because you have a very high profile drop by taekwon thornton where he got beat deep mm. and it was just a stone cold drop on what it would have been a really explosive play in that game and there's just there's still you're still clearly working through things there and i i don't you know it's it's probably what it's certainly what you're most nervous about defensively um, at this point. I, I I think there's enough confidence in what they still have on the offensive line um, where they can survive the Collins thing. I I don't think it's anywhere near as big of a deal as Cheeto is because of the way these games are going to be constituted. I mean, Mahomes, Allen, like they're just it's and I know they've beaten the Chiefs without them. So you're saying you can do it, and they certainly can. But that's really the, the, the one spot where you're saying uh, you hope that they're not going to continue to target and find ways to take advantage of them for a, a big play or two. That is going to be the difference in a lot of these games. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons, at least I, I think for Paul too, but definitely for me, when, when Cheeto went down and the reason we were so down is – you had no idea what you were going to get Cam Taylor Britt. And uh, I think he is, even though he hasn't played great, um, I I think he's played better than what I probably expected him to play. Definitely against the run. And you knew it was going to be a work in progress in coverage. The other piece of that was you're thinking it's not just what are you going to get from Cam Taylor Britt, but what do you get from Eli Apple, who was just benched for Cam Taylor Britt? And I think that's the where the – 
things have really changed is Eli has played pretty well. He, he turned things around. I, I don't know if that was an eye opener when they benched him for Cam in the Falcons game or, or what it was, but he seems to have dialed down the, the rhetoric on, on Twitter and he's just playing so much better. And I think that with Eli taking a step forward when and Cam Taylor Britt being maybe a, a little bit better than what you would expect a, a rookie corner thrown into that situation being, that's kind of mitigated the loss. But I still think that losing Cheeto and all that he is playing at a Pro Bowl level and what he brings leadership wise, that's still going to be the, the bigger impact um, ahead of what we will see happens with, with the LC replacement. I'm so glad you said that, Jay. We need to make sure we're repeating the Eli Apple piece of this. Yeah. And that has been a saving grace, that he yes. has all of a sudden uh, become really reliable and solid um, and very quotable. <laughs> <laughs> he, he may not be firing off on Twitter as much, although it's still very much out there. Uh, but he's, he's comfortable firing off through us, which I really appreciate, uh, as always. And, um, and certainly wasn't afraid to do it about Mac Jones, uh, who apparently is not going to be suspended for that. Jay, I got a question here. Here's my question. I'll, I'll put myself up on stage here. Dirtier play Matthew Judon into Burroughs back or Mac Jones to Eli Apple's knees. Um, Mac Jones by far that, that could have been really bad. I think the Judon one was frustration, uh, maybe a little message sending. Um, it was, it was kind of on par with the one that Trey Hendrickson had against Andy Dalton, where it was just ridiculously late. It was more a matter of how late it was as opposed to how severe the hit was that drew the flag. Um, so I, I'm going, I'm going Mac, Mac Jones by far. And I, I do this every week. I go through and I look at the, the plays that could possibly be fined. And I usually send off a letter to the league and there's usually one or two. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six plays that are possible fines from that game. And five (laughs) of them are against the Patriots. And the only one against the Bengals is Eli Apple. He took a swing at Mac Jones after he delivered that dirty hit and it didn't connect. But I wonder if just taking a swing is something the league will take a look at, but uh, we should get the answer on all those fines on Saturday. Do you know what it takes to turn Eli Apple into a sympathetic figure <laughs> online and how big of a DB you got to be in order to turn the tables that way? Mac Jones, man, that's some can't say I saw that being a, a level anyone could rise to. But there he is. Eli Apple, Internet sympathetic figure. <laughs> Mac, Mac Jones. He could be facing two fines because he got the uh, personal foul at the, after the B.J. Hill fumble. I went back. There's not a good look at it. But you see Mac Jones is on the ground, and it looks like it's just frustration. They've already ruled it's Bengals ball. B.J. Hill is about to run off the field with the ball, and Mac Jones jumps to his feet and spears B.J. Hill in the back and takes him down. And yeah. I think two or three officials throw the, the flag. That's definitely getting a fine. Um, and then we'll see if he gets fined. I would imagine he'll get fined for the, the one on Eli Apple, too. And I can't remember a quarterback ever being fined twice in one game. Yeah, uh, I will say I, I think the Judon hit is is just is just as bad. I don't I don't care what he was trying to send a message or whatever. Mm. He speared him right in his back. That ball was long gone right yeah. in the back of a quarterback. 
I, I just that felt dirty to me. Premedit it's a matter of premeditation, right? Clearly, Mac Jones is premeditated. The Judon <laughs> thing is premeditated as hell too. I mean, that's that was two full steps, and then still unloading right into the middle of a quarterback's back after he's already thrown the ball. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like that one. That was the one I thought was was dirtier. All right, um, let's bring Michael B up onto the stage now. Michael, how are we doing? Hey guys, how are you? Doing Great. good. A um, couple quick things. Um, you know, I, this I was trying to get up this time last week to talk about um, some of the depth pieces on the roster, and obviously you guys wrote about it right after I was thinking about it. It's just funny to go back and look at, you know, I know you obviously expounded on it in your articles last week, but to go back and look at some of the games last year and see some of the guys that were playing critical snaps last year uh, and making, you know, key good or bad plays. Obviously you look at Darius Phillips with the punt muffs against San Francisco, uh, you know, Zach Kerr playing meaningful snaps. Mm-hmm. Super- it's just wild to see kind of how that, how that back end of the roster, as you guys talked about has come a long way and to see Trent Irwin catch another touch, you know, more touchdown. It's just wild to see how far things have come in a year. I just, something struck, it just sort of struck me as you guys were talking about it last week and I was watching games back anyway, just as an aside there, I, I want to do some some quick uh, uh, napkin math playoff prediction scenario things because look, I, sure. I'm always I'm always a big you play who you play and obviously you know you gotta you gotta lace them up and go. But obviously the Bengals, it, you know, you would argue got a, a decent draw last year with the Raiders and the Titans before the Chiefs. And if you look at things sure. this year, obviously, you know, unless the Steelers beat the Ravens on Saturday night, Week 18 is going to be for the division anyway, right? So. Not that you want to lose to the Bills, and obviously the number one seed is still very much in play, but you know, the three seed, I know you guys talked last week about the percentages of being, you know, in the Super Bowl with the certain seed numbers, and that's all interesting. And obviously, you know, those numbers come from somewhere. But, you know, for me, if if you're the three and you end up playing the Ravens again, I know Jay was not a big fan of that, and I understand the reasons why, but I don't know. For me, it seems like you'd rather play the Ravens and then the Chiefs in the divisional as the three instead of playing like the chargers who uh, for me, as Paul said, I don't want any part of the chargers right now. I just, they're getting healthy and I don't want that quarterback anywhere near the field for me. Um, you know, it just feels like Ravens chiefs is a better draw than potentially. I don't know. It just, it just, you know, I don't, I don't, it's weird that they could go, you know, bills, Ravens, Ravens, bills. Also it's, there's a lot of weird scenarios out there right now. And I'm just, you know, you never (laughs) want to like, you never throw a dart and see how it goes, but I'm just, I, I don't know. To me, the Ravens end up being the more attractive first round matchup. They just can't score right now. And, and I, you know, Lamar is who knows it just, I don't know. I, I don't want any part of the chargers and I'm curious to see how you guys kind of think about it now, having watched the Ravens struggle again and Lamar, you know, may not be back again this week. There's just obviously a lot of question marks there. So I'll, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. <laughs> well, I agree that, 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 that path, Playing Kansas City in the divisional would be ideal. I I don't know that anybody wants to go to Buffalo. You see the the weather they got this weekend, and you've the, the Bengals have beat the Chiefs three times with with Burrow, and they they won the AFC Championship game in Kansas City. There's a confidence there. There's if if they lose that Monday night game to Buffalo, I mean, yeah, they'll be confident they can beat them a second time around. But it's not going to be the same thing as, as facing a Kansas City team. And then you you give yourself that opportunity where maybe something crazy happens in that other divisional game. And one of those wildcard teams sneaks up and beats Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo's 
they've they've had great teams and they've not been able to finish the deal in the playoffs. So you you would still keep that hope alive where you if they win at Kansas City in the divisional round, they could still host the AFC championship game. Um, I still I, I go back to what I said before that the only reason that the Ravens not wanting to play the Ravens in back to back week goes to history. I just don't like the idea of, of having to do that. But X and O personnel, all that. Uh, yes, the Ravens would be the choice. And I, I think a lot of Bengals fans should be interested in that Monday night game tonight and be rooting like heck for the Colts because uh, the Chargers, they could end up on the, the wrong side of this and not even make the playoffs and not even be an option for the Bengals to play. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think if you're going in order here, what's happened, though, is that to me is now the value of the two seed has gone up substantially, hasn't it? I mean, because this seven just looks like it's going to be a total crapshoot, right? You're going to have mm-hmm. this this totally down and out Miami team that Tua looks awful. They look are just a mess. This New England team that you just embarrassed for a half. You know how that should go. A Jets team who's good, but they've lost big games. They're still starting Mike White, Tennessee, Pittsburgh. I mean – Getting to that two now, it was like Pittsburgh in the seven last year against Kansas City, right? Remember that game? Yeah. Everybody yeah. knew it was going to be a blowout. Everybody knew it was a joke that Pittsburgh was still in the mix, and that's that. Baltimore and the Chargers and and Jacksonville in that four slot, which they'll be set, they'll be set in, assuming that they end up holding off the Titans. You know, to me, are all on that clear second tier, and there's such a drop off now. Just getting to the two is a big deal. You know, Baltimore. I, I guess Baltimore. We'll have to see what happens. I guess they could they could fall out of the six. The the Chargers thing will be interesting to watch. They could fall to the six, but I mean, more than likely, they're still going to end up in that five hole. There's a lot of scenarios at play here. I, I think it's a play who you want to play because it, it doesn't matter at all. All you can do is try to go win. There's not going to be a scenario where they'll like last year, where there's an advantage to losing, where they went out there and were, wanted to lose essentially. Uh, and so they could get into the one, four game against Tennessee. All that makes sense. That doesn't matter this year. You're going to be chasing that one, or you're going to be playing for the North. And as many as we, as much as we like to run Austin Mock's scenario of them trying to actually might be better to play as the five and go to Jacksonville. They would never try to do that. You're going to try to get that no. home game. You, you're going to want to win the North. So inevitably, it's all us filling time in a live room because it, it, they're, you know, they're going to be trying to go for. There is no advantage to not trying to win the next couple of weeks. They're going to have to play somebody. Yes, you don't want to play the Chargers, but it's going to fall how it falls. I- uh, I, Go ahead, Jay. Is, I, I was going to say, because this affects us with the live room, we were excited about that Steelers-Ravens game. Are there shenanigans at play here? Because I've I, everywhere I've looked, including on the NFL Zone game op site, that only week 18, all the other flexes had to be announced 12 days in advance. Only week 18 could be announced less no, than they six can, days. They can, uh, they can have one, one, time, one or two times they're allowed to move the window tighter. Okay. To a week. All right. Yeah. Yeah, there's there is a, that is part of it. Uh, all, either way, uh, th- that will be it. They want, they're going to have that in Sunday night. I mean, how about the Steelers? Like this is like the most Tomlin thing ever. I mean, where this team is just terrible, down and out, but still how, we're still talking about them. We're still talking about we're, Kenny Pickett playing a playoff game. 
Where are the Steelers on the list for Bengals fans of teams they don't want to see come to Paycor for a first round playoff game? I love. I mean, you want to see the Steelers at this point. They're not good. <laughs> They're not. They're good. not. I don't care who they are, what jerseys they wear, who their coach is. They're not good. And so you would love to see them. You and you know how to beat them. You've done it over and over again. You know exactly how to beat them, and and you know how they could try to beat you, and that's an advantage too. Uh, all right, thanks everybody for hopping into the live room. Uh, appreciate it. Great to chat with everybody. Uh, we'll be back. We'll, everything is a day late this week with the Monday night show, but we still got you coming regularly. So Wednesday will be our next episode. You'll come. You'll get our first episode of the week on Wednesday. Uh, we will have a preview show on Friday. Then on Sunday, we will have the live room, which will be posted on our feed. Not live room, excuse me, live show at 50 West with Tyler Dunn, the Go Long folks. That will be posted on our feed as well. So you can listen to that as you wait for the game on Monday. And then, of course, all your coverage from Bengals, Bills, Monday Night Football. Really excited. Robert Mays is going to hop in with us. We're going to do a cross show where uh, our our show with myself, Jay, and Robert is going to go up on the Athletic NFL feed and also here with you on Hear That Podcast Growling. So we are all hands on deck, Jay, firing all cannons this week uh, for Bill's Bengals. So thanks to everybody uh, for listening. Uh, we will catch you on Wednesday. Have a good one, everybody.